Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is a conversation with Daniel Holmes, or rather Danny, who is Senior Pastor of, what's the name of the church? Community Church Warrigal. Community Church Warrigal in Victoria, and also happens to be my blood brother. I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today, as I said, I'm joined by Danny. Welcome, Danny. Thanks, mate. Good to be here. Yeah. We, I just wanted to, I thought about the unique nature of our relationship, and I thought it would be worth actually pulling out in a conversation. So going back to where it all started, we grew up together in the same house. We're, we're the you know, you were the only brothers in the in the house, so yes. sort of the, we shared a room and um, and lots of fights and games and all sorts of things. But the Bible was a big part of our life back then. What do you remember about the Bible in those days? Uh, I remember how important it was to our parents, particularly our father, and um and how uh, how if you wanted his approval, then you re- a lot of one of the main ways we got that was through memorization of scripture, um, or yes, be able to indeed. recall stories or verses yes. at will. Yes, I remember that particularly the memorization of verses. I one year we had to reach 200 verses each year to get to the prize and i was 3 verses short and he he gave me a consolation prize of a snickers bar yeah yeah and i won right and i got a bible yay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember you being a bit bit um, miffed about that particular exchange yep. can i have a bible and a snickers bar <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> yep but, I mean, those memory verses still to this day stick in my head. And actually, it's weird because I'll be in the middle of a lecture and a verse will come out of my mouth, but it will come out in King James. Yes, not in, that's right. <laughs> not in the, the verses that I use these days. That's right. It was nice to me- grow up and discover what they actually meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're still there. I mean, it's like algebra. You know, you, you discover things by rote learning and everything first, and then you discover, oh, gosh, it actually works. Hang on. You can do stuff with it. Yep. Um, if well, there's a very small percentage of our population actually understands what algebra is for. Yeah. And, and I have to say, if we spent more time on the Bible and less time on algebra, we might have a better society. But yes. in terms of memory verses, that wasn't the only thing that goes on. I mean, we used to play games, and the, and I remember we had a board game that was Conquest of Canaan or something like that. Yes, you know, every almost everything in the house was revolved around the scriptures. It was every circumstance was an opportunity to relate it to some some proverb, sort of Bible yeah. story or proverb or lesson from the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, and Dad taught Sunday school as well, and he 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 was um one of the seniors at our church. As we grew up, it felt like that was the whole world. I only knew that kind of Christendom. I didn't, and it wasn't until we met Catholics down the road who didn't go to church that I knew there were any other kinds of Christians, although we were probably not taught they were Christians, you know. We felt very sorry for no. them. No. Well, that's right. And uh, not just other Christians, but other people. You know, we were the we were the ones holding the truth, our little group, if you like. <laughs> it, there, was an ex, there was an exclusivity to, the, to our understanding of the world, for sure. Yeah. It was just very fortunate that God had happened to bless that very small part of uh, of Victoria with his yeah, truth. Yeah. With the absolute <laughs> truth as opposed to the rest of the world. Yeah, that's right. Exactly, exactly. So as the listener could tell, we're a little bit um, uh, amused at the situation we grew up in. That wasn't necessarily what our parents ended up 
uh, would like their heritage to be. I think that was just the impression we got from us growing up in a very small country area. But we were not just in a country area. We were excluded from a lot of the other country people because they, you kind of had a choice of either being in this evangelical, uh, intense Christian community or in the football community, which was basically drunken, carousing uh, all weekend kind of thing, which we, you know, alcohol sent you to hell, according to their version of uh, the Bible. Yes. Um, which, so we yeah. didn't get into that. Some hard times hit the family and we branched out in our separate ways into various things. I remember we spent some time dabbling in Pentecostalism uh, for various reasons. Um, I think I went to the Baptist. I don't know if you – did you end up in the Baptist at some stage? Uh, no, not at that stage. We were uh, we were at the AOG and then we were at the Brethren Church. Right. And, and I met some Lutherans and hung out with Lutherans and they had some weird ideas about the Bible. But one thing they did do – was study the Bible a lot, and uh, that sent me down the path that I went. Uh, ended up you know, six years of Lutheran seminary, um, mostly attracted to the fact that they were studying the original languages and the scriptures intensely. One thing I noticed, um, bro, and one of the things that I think you, we might share as an experience is that we cynically already referred to it, the fact that we there was an idea that we had the truth, but then you figure out, hang on, there's several different ways to read this verse, how come your version's right? And so the question comes up, how do you know? How, how do you come to the, you know, did you, do you remember having that epiphany? Or? Oh, consistently. Um, it's the, how do we know what, how do we know what we know? Yeah. And, and my current, and my, my understanding of scripture has shifted through the years <laughs> as, you know, as, as you get more information, it, it shifts your perspective or you get a broadened perspective and you become, uh, I guess more open to considering maybe there's a different perspective on these on on the interpretation of these things and that uh, you know it, that rattles some people's faith for me that has just uh, strengthened it broadened it and uh, made me more excited to study that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it would be pretty sad. I mean, if if the scriptures are in fact the living word of God, they are Christ Himself giving Himself to us, then. It's it's like God's love letter. I mean, if we get a love letter from someone and we understood it perfectly the first read through, that would be a pretty boring letter. I mean, the fact that we're getting to (laughs) we're getting to know someone, and you know, the day that we understand God completely um, is a sad day. Like it's not a possible day because that's part of the wonder of this um, of this creation that we have that that there's so much yet to discover. Well, it, it, not not suggesting that anyone could understand God completely. The trouble is, is that if we ever pretend that we understand God completely, it means we've grossly misunderstood Him. Yeah, 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 and and missed out on some of the wonder of knowing Him. Yeah. So, in terms of our different directions, mostly you'd have to say it was an, almost an accident of circumstances. We ended up with this crowd or that crowd, and and that particular girl was attractive, and that one was interesting. <laughs> we were yeah. different ways, <laughs> and and um. Wandered our different ways, and I ended up hanging out with the Lutherans more. And um, you were hanging out, I think, at that stage with the Brethren. But we uh, still, yep. And then the Baptists, yeah. So I moved yeah. that way once we got married. So yeah. right, but we still, I mean, we still very much were in conversation. We could still very much share a passion for Christ and for mm. and for the mission that we believed um, people's lives are always better when they are immersed in a relationship with God through the Scriptures, and. Even, I think you went into physiotherapy and and uh, practiced physiotherapy for some time before you went into the being a junior pastor and then a senior pastor. That's right. And yep. I was 
I was a minister um, and myself and then uh, became Catholic. Um, they don't tend to let you stay a Lutheran minister when you become a Catholic, so <laughs> I had to find a new job. <laughs> and I was in counselling and then came to Sydney um, and have been lecturing. Even though our lives are quite different, I mean, you can't get much different um, from brethren to Catholic. I mean, brethren no. are fundamentally anti-institutional, very suspicious of the institutional church, and I grew up, you know, this kind of innate uh, criticism of um, sort of institutional ideas. And now I'm in Catholic world in Sydney, which is about the opposite of where we grew up. Yet we still share this love of Scripture. Would you say that's yes. true? Yes, absolutely, that's true. Yeah, and 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 a, and a growing love of Scripture uh, too, as I said before, because our our heritage, uh, the Brethren heritage, is it they have a stated or a, a, an agreed value of Scripture, but they simultaneously disdain theological study, like formal <laughs> theological study, and and uh, and so it's a lot more to put it crassly, it's a lot more. Um, I just believe what Dad said than it is. Uh, you know, I've I've heard the experts on this, or um, I understand this more in its original context, or whatever. Yeah. Do you think that's getting less though, Dan? Um, because what I'm seeing in society in general is a is a more a move away from what Dad said. You know, people aren't going with what Dad thought in his work or anything like that anymore. Yeah. Well, the I mean the the Brethren movement, if you like, in its in its um current form, will it'll be gone in. A number of decades because it is yeah that thought is um, dying out and it's the uh, it's some of the newer movements within Protestant uh, circles that are embracing uh, more of our heritage or or how we understand um, the Bible and how it applies to life now. There has to be something more than just Dad said so, and this is part of what we both experienced as we went through our journey. We haven't lost our focus on Christ and the Scriptures. But what we have done is sort of shaken the, been shaken in the foundations. I think some some shakeups in our family situation made us rethink and go, wait, hang on a sec. What? Why do I believe what I believe? Where does it all come from? How do I interpret it this way? Um, and then you come to the point where you go, all right, well then there's all these other different ways of reading it. What makes mine particularly right? Yeah, I'm, I've also seen people go over the other like over the other cliff. And say, oh, everyone's opinion's just an opinion, and therefore there's no way of knowing. And I think that's a despairing point of view because it means nothing is true. Well, I mean, that's right. If you uh, if if you're going to reduce truth to relative concepts and validate it at that level, then then you kind of lost. Um, so <laughs> we're, we're in we're we're in pursuit of what's actually true. Um, yeah. And more than that, not just what's intellectually true, but what's actually what actually works, what actually transforms people's lives you know shifts us hmm. from our selfishness to something more beautiful so when but see i think it's even deeper than that because you can change someone's life superficially like an anthony robbins you know pep talk you know yeah you know you change your life be your you know self motivation all that sort of stuff we're not we're about introducing people to a relationship um pope benedict actually said christianity is not a set of rules or a piety it is a relationship yeah and it begins there and ends there, that the relationship is the centre of it all, and from that relationship all the other stuff happens. You can fake it, but without the relationship it's not real. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, um, this is part of the other shift for me in understanding Scripture too, that 
it's it it is the living word of God. God is alive and real and true and absolute and active um, in our lives, and it uh, the evidence of that is my is the shift in my desires, the things that I want, because the Spirit of God works in me to shift actually what I actually want, and that that's just who I am as a person. I think that's that's uh, love at work, and that's Christ at work yeah. in us, and that's that's a bit of a shift for me because. Uh, I was. I felt like anyway. I was raised, and even in my early training in this tradition, that it's the it's your doctrinal statements or your belief constructs or your intellectual assent to certain propositions that defines whether you're in the right um, or not. But um, but it's something far more dynamic and real. Yeah. Uh, oh, having said that, you can't do away with doctrinal statements. So if you someone can't say, you know, Christ is actually a banana in disguise. Uh, we have to say no, no. It actually matters that he's fully human and fully divine, and all those sorts of things. That's right. But yeah. having said that, what, exactly what you said, you can't limit it to a mere statement. I get the feeling that that life is awfully complicated for many people, and we we aren't trained. We're trained to think at very high levels in our professional fields, but we're not trained to deal with this kind of intellectual struggle and and personal emotional struggle especially for guys emotional struggle with these things yeah we just don't have the capacity and so we it's much more comfortable if we simplify our faith down to some simple things so in in the in the catholic church we have people who would prefer um 70s kumbaya style um <laughs> you know worship and you have others who absolutely rant about you know absolutely have to have this kind of chant, you must have it, and uh, and you must take communion on the tongue, otherwise you're a heretic. And they fixate on on details which are important in themselves, and yet not really the point. Well, that's right. Uh, we we need forms, and this is somewhere where Protestantism struggles because we don't have liturgy, we don't have we don't have forms, we don't. Uh, there's not there's not um there's not good frameworks for us to uh, to do life in, to understand yeah. the different um, spaces in life in. Um, and yet the danger of forms is, and even in our own system, because we say we don't have liturgies, but, our church <laughs> but we do the services, same thing every Sunday. Right. <laughs> They're all the same. and then We don't write get, it down anywhere, and that way it's not a liturgy. <laughs> and people get very attached to the form, to the way we do something, like that's holy in its own space. But actually it's just a container for what is holy, which is God and his interaction with um, people. I mean, we've had this conversation many times before, but I would I would challenge that a little bit and say there are some forms which we get directly from the relationship. So if we're going from the mm. scriptures, for example, if someone said, how do you pray? I would say, well, Jesus says, pray like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. And then in, yeah, yeah. And how do we pray? Well, we might follow the Psalms, which um, have been prayed by the Jews and Christians for, for millennia. So uh, in some respects, there are forms which are actually traceable. And it comes back to that question, how do you know stuff? And yeah, if, if right. we only know it because dad did it or because the, the local priest said it was okay or the pastor yep. or whatever, then, that I mean, that might be reliable. You shouldn't necessarily dismiss everything that they say, but yep. come back to where does it, where's the foundation of it. You know, Come back to, all right, well, and you and I, I think the basis of our conversations has always been, all right, well, where's this coming from? Well, I don't know if I interpret it that way and then we can, we can have that conversation. Oh, absolutely. There are some things, thankfully, that are solid, that are um, consistent across the board for, for everyone who's a Christ follower. And the denial of those things fundamentally puts you out of, like, how, how can someone who denies Jesus 
experience the kind of life that we're talking about. No. For example, and and like you say, there are there are forms that are biblical that help us, but there uh, and there's also encouragement for us to relate to God in a very free and open um, way, in a in a in a very kind of experienced relational way. Yeah, I mean, we've and again we've had this conversation many times, but the the tension is always between um, bringing a timeless truth into our time without making it just about our time. So, yeah. for example, we have to bring the timeless truth of Christ and his love and what that means in love for neighbour and love for God in worship and try and express it with the best of our ability this time, the best of our skill, the best of our joy, the best of our love, but don't make it so wedded to this particular time that everyone looks back and goes, oh, that's so dated. I mean, I mean, I, I have made a joke before about the 70s kumbaya kind of stuff. This is yeah. still people who are clinging very much to their youth, their time, who are actually prohibiting many people of the next generation and the ones after them from joining their worship because it's all about them and it's not about the, the, the community. Yeah, and extend that even further. Like uh, in the last few years, I've, you know, I've been to Oklahoma and India and you just couldn't get to... <laughs> Like opposite <laughs> cultures, um, but people who love Jesus in both of those spaces expressing it in very different ways. And so you, you, we're aware that when we come to God as a community, we're coming not just our little, not just in our space and time, but in our culture. So, mm. and this, this is this truth, this reality has got to work in India and Afghanistan and uh, America, even. Well, I mean, the, the Catholics have that slightly easier because we have the Mass and it works the same in every particular culture, except yeah, yeah. that the way we sing, the way we participate, the way we act, the way we respond, the way we preach, all of those things are within that framework and they're different in each culture. And yeah. so you get in an African congregation, they are jumping and singing and dancing in the African way because that's what they do. In the yep. Asian, it's much more refined, but it's very distinct movement. In the West, yep. of course, we're being stodgy and sitting in pews yep. because that's what we do. That's <laughs> right. Repressed, that's right. Repressed resistance. <laughs> but the the point is, is that I would say that there is in the scriptures a, a kind of a unifying. Uh, starting point, a unifying structure, I would say, of some worship, because even when I go into Protestant worship who think they're really radical and new and different, they're actually simply following parts of what used to be there all along. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's um, whatever form people are uh, occupied in. I, I mean, if we could see their hearts the way God sees our hearts um, across you know, any group of Christians anywhere, you're going to see the spread of people who whose allegiance is for Christ um, and who struggle in that space, you know. Indeed. I, yep. But I think the unifying factor and the factor of um, re rejuvenation of the church, and when, one thing we're talking a lot about as Catholics is that how do we bring people back to a passionate view of the faith? Mm. In, some, in some parts of our history, that's been a more us and them cultural thing, and you, can get, you could get away with it then. But now people aren't Catholic because they're Italian or they're not Catholic because they're Dad yep. was or anything. It's it, it's almost always a personal choice now to remain or to join or become Catholic or yep. whatever denomination they are. And I just wonder if – oh, no, I don't wonder. I think that coming to the Scriptures together without denying that we disagree fundamentally on some quite serious matters mm. – is still a valuable exercise for Christians. So, for example, you and I wouldn't agree on infant baptism on on the Eucharist, 
on uh, priesthood ordination, those kinds of things. They're yep. fairly big deals, especially yep. for Catholics. Yeah. Um, and and we'd have to both admit at this point that my Catholic friends and, and your brethren friends would be feeling distinctly uncomfortable about the fact that we seem to be agreeing on various things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's worth pointing out that through the fact that we have a strong, um, deep friendship and, and being brothers for so long, we have found many points of agreement and a genuine shared love for the scriptures and for God. Yeah, yeah, I think that's completely true, um, Bro. And one of the things that's always interesting to me is that if you take um, followers of Jesus, Christians, you know, away from their from the church service in our in our setting, in Protestant settings anyway, away from the forms for and talk to and talk together about what it means for them to to follow Christ. Um, in their relationship with their wife and their kids and sexual purity and friendships and care for the poor and the marginalized. Um, yeah, there is this, there's so much unity around um, that kind of transformation in our lives that um, that's worth, they're the things that are worth discussing, I think, and, and encouraging each other in. And in a sense, I would see the scriptures as a kind of a, a breakthrough, some of the cultural baggage that we have as a whole culture, I mean, you mentioned sexual purity there. There's a particular Puritanism we've picked up via the English translations of the scriptures mm. that has come through history because it came through the Puritan movement of the, the US and – sorry, not the yep. US, the UK and into our cultures. And the scriptures themselves are the answer in that case. The Song of Songs is quite joyful and open and and, and liberating in terms of sexuality. And yep. it's just it's – it's a critique of our culture, which we need, and, and yet – we we you know, we kind of brown paper bag wrap it and don't go near it as yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the Western culture. Oh, and the and the proverbs too. I um I preached a sermon once. We're I'm in a rural conservative church, but you know, uh, proverbs. You know, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her breast satisfy you always. Um, <laughs> which is, I mean, it's biblical, right? And and we sh- <laughs> can you imagine when we were growing up, bro, in our church? Remember, you yes. imagine someone. Yeah. Preaching on that. Well, I mean, but what my point is here is that the critique doesn't need to come from outside of Christianity. It comes from the heart of Christianity, which is the scriptures. Yep. A lot of this comes down to tribal stuff, though. And I wonder if how much of the division and the, and the tension right now in our churches has got to do with people's being just disconnected from family and from uh, ethnic kind of tribes, no longer really having a place to belong. And they're looking for some sort of group to belong to, to feel like they are in in with people. And so they kind of latch onto um, doctrinal statements or particular ways of doing worship or something as if that's their identity and they lock onto it and you can't shake them because it's their identity. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I, I think, oh, I don't know, is it necessary for someone entering faith, even an adult entering faith, to have really conf- you know, defined understandings and pathways and um and do you mature beyond needing surety in those things because the your core gets stronger but um smaller is that but can you i don't know lots of questions for me (laughs) in that space well i mean king ecclesiastes goes i tried this i tried that nothing matters and right basically it comes down to you and god and everything you do is going to be judged by god so make sure you get it right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah 
Yep. The kind of a simplicity in his wisdom at the end there. I, I wonder, though, with the tribal thing, if if the answer isn't again in the scriptures of of Christ welcoming people with that simple yet deeply profound and quite difficult love that that that, it, that takes people and brings them into Christ's love, forgives them of astoundingly bad things when you think about who he forgave, yeah, but brings them in and changes them. I mean, St. Paul would be the typical guy that I would say death penalty, absolutely, because I mean, killing Christians, torturing them, you know, prisoning, sure. imprisoning yeah, them, yeah. and Christ goes, "There's my man. There's my man." Takes him, yes, <laughs> and makes yeah, him yeah. into one of the most effective missionaries of ever. Oh, absolutely, and and interpreting the commands of Christ or the the demands of discipleship are like outside of a love context is uh, it's not real. It's it's not a it's not a true uh, statement of the faith that we have. You know, you hmm. we experience inclusion and and forgiveness, and um and then it's like um it's like when Joshua just before Jericho, you know, he meets the the uh, man of God, and he goes, "Whose side are you on?" And the guy goes, no one's. I'm the boss. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the Lord's side, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Having said that, there is a danger, and perhaps if we can finish off on this, there is a danger in in uh, in a false ecumenism which says um, let's all just pretend we don't have differences, that we pretend that we all agree on the basics and that we pretend that everything's okay and then we can kind of pretend to get along and as if it doesn't matter. But... The reasons why there are different um, Christian groups aren't just trivial. I mean, there are some trivial examples, but most of them are not trivial. They come down to quite big questions like how you get saved, how you stay yeah. saved, what what yep. does it matter? So while there is ground for genuine love and shared passion, it would be wrong to, even in our conversations, it would be wrong for us to just pretend that the, the differences didn't matter. Oh, totally. Yeah, I think what we're saying is, um, you know, get some integrity around, you know, your convictions, why you believe <laughs> what yes. you believe, and um, and go for it. But go for it uh, in in love, in selfless love, and with the desire to listen to the other, to understand their perspective, because uh, that that'll go a long way towards mutual respect uh, across yeah. different forms and traditions. Yeah. Maybe you can reflect on this from your angle, but I know there's a lot of Catholics who seem terrified of um, uh, opening the scriptures because they think that it might they might accidentally become um, Protestant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. A lot of Protestants are terrified of studying church history because they think it might it might do become the opposite. Catholic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's unfortunately it's it has been true that a lot of people who read history had end up Catholics. Um, yeah. But the but having said that, I. I was convinced to be Catholic by the Bible. So, and there are a lot of people who are in that category, but I have to be, like you said, very early on, you come to realizations halfway through your life or perhaps earlier for the wiser people. Hang on, I've changed my mind several times here. Yeah. And I know my own motivations. I know I wasn't. So, it's possible at least for me to be wrong, even with the most sincere motives. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, the other thing I would say into that space is, uh, fear is fear is really unhealthy. Fear of discovery is really unhealthy. You're talking about the imposter syndrome? Yeah, I'm talking about, I mean, do we, God is, as revealed to us, God is beautiful. Um, he loves us so much. Um, he wants us to find out more about him. 
uh, if we pursue him, if we vigorously pursue truth, uh, then, you know, he says, you, you know, uh, you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I, it might take you in a different place, but it'll be beautiful, you know. Hmm. Perhaps I'll end with um, a quote from the arch-heretic Martin Luther. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, um, Sorry, that was a bit of a, a pun. That's I've studied right. Luther. That's right. We don't like him much either. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he wasn't. He, he wouldn't please many modern Protestants. He was probably more Catholic than most modern Catholics, to yes. be honest, yep. certainly in his traditionalism. But he, he said at his time, when the, the Anabaptists were going rife in his area, the, the most dangerous thing in the world is a Christian alone in a room with a Bible. Mm. Um, now, in some respects, he's not against bi private Bible study. He was simply about the idea that I alone am the interpreter of Scripture. And I totally agree with that. I, that is a, a, one of one of the. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> that's a <laughs> that's a problem. But that's why we've got fifty thousand different denominations. You know, um, yes, in Protestantism, and it's also why, also coupled with the rampant individualism, that's um, the curse of our culture. That um that we that's what I was saying before that we we can't understand that we're part of something way bigger than us um, across yes. the globe and across the the millennia. So yeah. yeah. That sounds like a good way way to wrap up the podcast. So if today's discussion got you thinking or arguing, I hope it worked, did, with your podcast device, let us know. You can subscribe to the podcast at thiscatholiclife.com.au or tell us what you liked or didn't like. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or Discord. You can find all the links in the show notes or just search on Twitter. Write us a review if you can. Remember, this is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast and we think that's an idea worth getting behind. So tell your friends. We'll be back next week, but that's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life.